Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on this Friday. Friday, got to get down on Friday, June 25th of 2021. I am Paul Gallant. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. One you can jump aboard at 1015 by calling in the old-fashioned way or by texting in 710-710 of the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. At some point over the rest of this hour, we will give you a chance to go to T-Mobile Park for the grand reopening next Friday of the ballpark. So make sure that you're tuned in for the entirety of the hour. I'm just going to drop it on you, and you're going to have to pick up that phone and call as quickly as you possibly can. I want to start off talking about the Seattle Mariners. They had an off night last night, and this weekend they get to prove perhaps that their four-game sweep of the Tampa Bay Rays this past weekend wasn't a fluke. Is it possible? And that's the question of today's show. Confidence level. Scale of 1 to 10. 1 being, nope, not happening. 10 being, it's a lock. What are the chances that the Mariners have to actually win this weekend series against the Chicago White Sox? This is the first time that I legitimately am going into a series and I'm putting some expectations on the Mariners' shoulders. Because I think when you do something like a four-game sweep of the defending American League champions, that is something that deserves credit. And I think that gives you a little bit of gusto heading to Chicago this weekend. So to answer that question myself, I'm actually going to give them a 6.82. Very specific. Why? You're probably thinking to yourself, Paul, I mean, do you know who's pitching for the Chicago White Sox this weekend? It's a murderer's row. You are not kidding on that. Carlos Rodon is on the hill for Chicago in this game where the Mariners will send out Yusei Kikuchi. Rodon is 6-2. and two. His ERA, 1.83 which does not quite qualify for tops of the majors because he only has 12 starts this year. I think you have to have 14 or 15 to get there. It would be third in all of baseball. He is striking out 12.8 hitters per nine innings. That also would qualify for third in all of baseball. Saturday, the White Sox throw out Lance Lynn. Not quite as impressive as Rodon, but he's 7-3 and three with a 2.14 ERA. Sunday, Dallas Keuchel for the White Sox, 6-2 and two with a 3.98 ERA. I covered him in Houston. He won the Cy Young in 2015. He has really good location, not great with velocity, very similar to Marco Gonzalez, so it's interesting that he'll be going up against Marco Gonzalez on Sunday. The Mariners send Logan Gilbert down on the hill. So, honestly, the, the White Sox have the edge pitching-wise in every single one of the games this weekend. And, look, the Mariners starting pitching, that's their best strength, right? And then factor in that the White Sox are maybe not a team that hits for power, but they have the fifth-best batting average in baseball and the 11th-best OPS in the league. So, I mean, they're going to be a tough out. They will be difficult to beat on the road to win two out of three. But I still think it's going to happen. Why? First off, Chicago doesn't hit it for a whole lot of power. I like this Mariners defense. So if they're going to be slapping the ball around the yard, I feel like the Mariners defense gives them a little bit of an edge on that side. 25th in total home runs, the White Sox this season. Chicago had also lost five of six. You're probably wondering why. I was. I was thinking to myself, okay, you know, teams go up, they go down. There probably isn't anything that's a serious cause as to this. Yeah, there actually is. 
The White Sox are really banged up. In fact, they might be as banged up as the Seattle Mariners right now, dealing with a ton of injuries. Their second baseman, Nick Madrigal, is out for the rest of the year. Luis Robert, or Robert, bad with pronunciations, I apologize. He's second in the rookie of the year voting from last year for the White Sox. He's out with a hip injury. He's been out since May. Billy Hamilton, an outfielder, he has an oblique injury. Outfielder Adam Eaton, he has a hamstring injury. Outfielder Adam Engel, Adam Eaton, Adam Engel, similar names. He has a tweaked hamstring as well. Jimmy Cordero, Jace Fry, two of the relievers, also out. They're banged up. And look, the Mariners are too. But with the way that they've been playing of late, and since, honestly, the big liability, the last two losses that they have had has been Justice Sheffield, who just has not been good. I'm feeling pretty good. Maybe I am naive in thinking that the Mariners are going to be able to build off of what they've done over that nine-game homestand. After all, they are going on the road. But, I mean, they've had two days off this week. I feel like that's going to give them a little bit of extra pep in their step, a little bit of downtime, sort of their bye week, I guess, after playing a bunch of games over a certain amount of days. I'm feeling good about this, but how are you feeling? 710-710 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. From the 360, confidence level 7 for getting two out of three games. The record says they play the best teams well. Birch Bay says 7. But this texter, the M's have been very lucky. All the peripheral stats indicate they aren't much better than a 70-win team. I am not disagreeing with you on that front. I mean, the run differential has not been good. They barely score runs. The batting average is not very good. Yeah, you're right. And yet I still feel this confidence. Another text. Five. One game will be clearly ours. One game they will stomp on us, and one game is up in the air. Five is probably how most people should be viewing it, but I am at a 6.82. One person says zero. Well, sir, you are just a buzzkill on this Friday. Logan and Kikuchi pitching. I'm feeling seven out of ten. If Marco was pitching like usual, it would be a nine. I'm curious as to when we will see Marco Gonzalez pitching the same way that he used to. Really? I mean, we have seen some glimpses of it, but it just has not been the same this season that it was last year and in years past. He's usually your most consistent guy. Now, is it Chris Flexen or is it Yusei Kikuchi? I don't know. That one's up for debate, probably. Some more texts. Paul, my Mariners' confidence level is a 7. The M's need to take the first game that puts all the pressure on Chicago to avoid the sweep or the series loss. They have been pretty good at that so far. Keep up the trend. Another texter says, I'm feeling okay. Another, I can see taking two. Mitch Mitch Hanniger gets hot again with his bat. And another, a little concerned about their ability to play on the road. What say you, 710-710? You can also tweet in, at Galan says, Pete Hanning is the biggest Debbie Downer of all of y'all. He tweets in, negative 3.7. That's not an actual score. I said 1 through 10, sir. I didn't even say zero. Crabby patty pants. With your zero that you were texting in just a little bit ago. Come on, man. 6.82. That's the way to go, everybody. What will we be saying after this weekend? If they sweep the White Sox, I'm not expecting it. I'm not. But I will start being able to talk myself into the idea that the playoffs are possible. <laughs> that does not sound like a really concrete statement, does it? I will start being able to talk myself into the possibility of. So, take that for what it's worth. But, I mean, you could start talking yourself into crazy things that save the Mariners. They, in back-to-back weekends, take down 
first place teams. I think ultimately what's probably going to happen is they win two out of three. If they lose two out of three, I'm not going to be mad assuming that they lose in a noble effort. If they get swept, I'll be I'll be disappointed. There are actual expectations on their shoulders right now. I'm curious to see how they handle them. I'm also curious to see when Jared Kelnick's going to be going to be back with the big league club. We finally saw a sign. Because honestly, I, I looked at what's his face? Um Wander Franco with the Tampa Bay Rays the other day, and I thought to myself, man, that guy's 20. Why is he already dominating compared to Jared Kelnick? We played this game on Danny and Gallant called What Did Jared Do? Well, Jared Kelnick had himself a nice little night in Tacoma. First off, this is what happened with his leadoff at bat. 2-1 hit high and very deep and very gone. Jared Kelnick hits one that lands on the walkway up the berm and will bounce even higher up the berm. The pursuit on for that souvenir. That is his sixth home run at AAA. He's hit two in the majors. And Tacoma gets the jump. It's one at nothing. All right. Getting back on the right track, Jared. That sounds good. Jared wasn't done. He had another at-bat in the ninth inning. This one is hit high in the air to deep center field. Hilliard's going back on the warning track in the deep part of the ballpark. It is gone. Jared Kelnick hits his second home run of the game. That's his seventh at AAA. It's a three-run blast. And the Rainiers have broken this one open. It is now 7-1. to one. I'm dabbing. Guys, he's back. Paul, no. He's back, Mora. Jerry's. That's, that's okay, but no dabbing. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. I can say he's back. I just, I just can't dab. Well, I'm 32. <laughs> I can still do a dab, right? I'm a millennial, like an older millennial, but I can still pull that off. I just think it, it's, it's out. It's not a thing anymore. Well, then we have to bring it back and own it. <laughs> the millennials can take over trends that the youths do. Come on. I really want this to continue with Kelnick because I want to annoy Jerry next Thursday. <laughs> I want to get back to annoying Jerry. Hey, when's Jared coming back? Anywho, uh, this is the Paul Gallant Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Make sure you're staying tuned for the entirety of this hour, which is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. We're going to be giving away another pair of tickets to the grand reopening of T-Mobile Park next Friday. So again, stay tuned for that. Keep that hand by the phone and make sure that you're able to dial that number as quickly as you possibly can. It's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Today's question of the day. Confidence level 1 to 10. How are you feeling about the Mariners' ability, chances to beat the Chicago White Sox in a series this weekend? The White Sox in first place. Very banged up though right now. You can watch the show 710sports.com slash video. You can also listen on your 710 app on your smart speaker. It's 10-10. That means it's time for What's Trending, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air with the one and only Maura Dooley. Good morning, afternoon, Maura Dooley. How are you now? Good morning, afternoon. I'm great. How are you? I am wonderful, though I can't dab anymore, so... Uh... No. Okay. And Kelnick can, can come back when he's ready, but he, he can't have that top of the lineup spot anymore, right? No, he can't. That's a great point. I feel like with the way J.P. Crawford's playing, he is locked in as your leadoff hitter. Yeah. Probably in, that. indefinitely, right? I mean, if Kelnick comes back up, you put him at the back of the order. And I think it would be smart for him to be at the back because you go into a game, 
you get to sit back. You get to watch the other the other batters and their approaches. You get to talk to them in the dugout. I know that that doesn't necessarily happen in between every single at bat, but that's probably where I would put him when he eventually comes back. I doubt though it's around the corner. This is just a nice night for Jared Kelnick, and we want to acknowledge it. We want to wish that positive juju on Kelnick so he gets that confidence back, that swagger, that mojo, because we know he listens to the show every single day. Come on, <laughs> the Paul Galan show. <laughs> I'm sure. Hi, Jared. All right. Well, the new Kraken head coach was announced yesterday, Dave Haxtell. Um, he joined Jake and Stacy and talked about the kind of personality that he looks for in a player. Love guys with great energy that like to have fun. Um, you know, I, I love guys uh, that uh, that have a way of uh, being themselves, having a great personality, but still being able to have a touch of humility in everything that they do in, in and around their teammates. And uh, probably one of the biggest, I, did, I love selfless guys, like guys that want to do what's right for the, for, for the team and just, and really be part of that. You got to give up a little bit of yourself sometimes to be part of a great team. And um, I think, you know, I think those are some, uh, some real important elements. What I heard from Haxel there, he wants to work with young guys. He wants to work with younger players. And I think that's a big part of why Ron Francis brought him in, general manager of the Seattle Kraken. And that was a problem for him in Philadelphia. From what I'm told, it's not that he had an issue developing younger players. It's that the older players didn't really buy in. And you can understand why that might happen. I mean, we talk about this all the time, more so in football, because it doesn't really seem to happen in basketball anymore. But remember when Rick Pitino left college basketball for the NBA and he was just a giant hardo in Boston? That didn't work out particularly well. We've seen Nick Saban try to go from Miami to, uh, excuse me, from uh, LSU to the Miami Dolphins. That didn't work out. It does every now and then work out, but you need to have a really unique kind of personality to go from having success in college to having success in the NFL like Pete Carroll. I don't know if that personality that Dave Haxel has is necessarily that, but I do think that that first go-round that he has had in the NHL with the Philadelphia Flyers and with the Toronto Maple Leafs, where he's gotten a lot of credit for turning their defense around, they should help him out. I'm not going to act as if I know how this is going to play out. I really don't think that the the coach of a hockey team has as much of a impact on what happens as much as what the general manager does. Ron Francis has a really interesting couple of months ahead of him, both with the amateur draft and with the expansion draft. All right, next up, Seahawks D-line coach Clint Hurt joined the Man to Man podcast with Michael Sean Dugar of The Athletic and spoke about his excitement over the depth that they have this year. The last season, that was a major problem for us. With having quality depth where you keep your rotation fresh. Benson Mayoa and Bruce Irvin, who have been really high-level rotational players their whole career, they're thrust into a situation where they're playing 90 92% of the plays last year. Pass rushing takes a lot of energy, a lot of effort, mm-hmm. a lot of juice. So when you're having to play that many snaps, it's hard to have a high level of success rushing a passer when you're running out of gas. So now to have you know, Daryl Taylor being healthy, so excited to see him and what he what he got done this uh, offseason. And now adding him in with Benson, Carlos coming back, having Alden Smith, Puna, LJ, Rasheem, the you know, list goes on and on. We have a lot of depth. And I will say this offseason, I, I feel really, really good going into this season about where we're at and where we're going forward. It's the underrated part of what made the Seahawks defense so great during the 
early years of the Legion of Boom. They had waves of defenders to throw at guys. And at first, those guys were not really highly thought of. But when you have guys like Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett and, and, and some of the others who were so good for that Seahawks defensive line, you can understand why they would win over the course of the game exactly because of what Clint Hurt said. Over the course of a game, they're going to get tired. But if you have a bunch of guys to throw out there, it should help you out. Losing Bruce Irvin last year, that was a huge problem. Just right out of the gate. And I don't know if Daryl Taylor is going to be able to fill that void. Everyone seems so excited about him. And I know that the Seahawks were so pumped about drafting him last year. So I'm not going to throw out the possibility that he actually lives up to the kind of hype that the Seahawks were giving him last offseason. But it's going to be an uphill battle for him. He is essentially a rookie. Benson Mayoa, I think that guy's about as consistent as it gets. Doesn't mean he's a dominant player. Carlos Dunlap, I trust him. Alden Smith, I am not thinking about him at all right now. And while last year he had that awesome game against the Seahawks, I'm concerned not necessarily about the incident that we're still trying to figure out his legal status in the aftermath of. I am more so trying to figure out why the Dallas Cowboys, despite seeing what Smith was able to do last year, having him at a very reasonable rate, knowing the kind of freakish athlete that he can be when he is in the best of shape, I'm wondering why they just were so willing to move on from him. Maybe the Seahawks can get more out of him than Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys can, but I'm intrigued in a bad way about why... Intrigued isn't a good word. I am perplexed as to why Dallas were so just quick to move on from him. I mean, they told him, yeah, we're not going to resign you. And we found that out pretty quickly going into free agency. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the Paul Gallant Show, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. 710-710 is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can tweet me at Gallant says. You can call it 206-421-3776. What is your confidence level in the Seattle Mariners as they go into this weekend series against the Chicago White Sox? Your confidence level in their ability to go to Chi-Town, the south side, and take at least two of three. Send it in. It's your chance to be heard. Your voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. Again, the phone number, 206-421-3776. Let's go to Twitter for some of your responses. Carpe DMs. Ah, I got it. Four. Having to face both Rodon and Lynn the next two games is going to be a tall order for the offense. Yeah, you ain't kidding. You are not kidding. And the real question is going to be is that White Sox lineup that has some bats, but a lot of injuries. Uh, Tim Henderson, who's, uh, I would say, probably the most fun player on the Chicago White Sox, a guy who is not afraid of chirping. He likes bat flips and things like that, too. I, I, I get a kick out of him. I think he's been banged up this year. They have dealt with maybe not as many injuries as the Mariners, because I'm not sure anybody has ever dealt with as many injuries as the Mariners have this year. They are going to have a really tall order in front of them. And it can't just be Jake P. Crawford alone. To a texter from a little bit ago, bringing up Mitch Hanniger getting hot again, yeah. Yeah. He's going to need to all of a sudden start hitting the way that he was to open the year. And look, he's still looking really impressive with those statistics, but the power has not been quite what it was over the last couple. I'm curious as to how they do out the plate. Those are some really, really good pitchers that they will be going up against. 
Seattle Rob tweets in, if they start strong game one, then yes, they can, six and a half. Aussie tweets in six. Let's go to the phones, 206-421-3776 on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Robert is in Kingston. Robert, what's going on? Kingsgate. Paul, it's Kingsgate, all right, not Kingston. Okay, my bad. Sorry, I read that. I, just, I, I can't read. It's my bad. <laughs> it's all right. Um, I'm just going to say about the Mariners' confidence level, you were asking the question. Really, truthfully, this is just a bonus. You know, everything that the Mariners are doing is kind of a bonus because next year is when I personally expect to see the ownership open their wallet and go after some great free agency picks that are going to be available. Um, we got J.P. Crawford. That was a surprise. You know, he could be shipped over to second base and we could pick up another shortstop who's going to be available. Mm. You know, this team right now is just fun to watch. What does worry me, though, uh, pitching, you're going to see this. Uh, the White Sox with their pitching is just going to demolish our lower hitting. Um, I think that the the lineup mm-hmm. is kind of weak still for the Mariners. But like again, this is just a bonus. This is a rebuild to see what they have and then add what they need. So I'm not really going to be too pissed if they don't make <laughs> the playoffs. But I- next year is the big big, big time where I'll I'll want to see what they're going to be doing and see it work. No more excuses. I I, I feel you on that. Next year, definitely, and Robert, appreciate the phone call. I I think next year you need to have, like, real signs that you are actually contending. But everything that we've heard from Jerry DePoto, and this is why I want him to be extended, and I talked about it in, in detail yesterday, and I've been talking about it a lot. Everything that he has told you has essentially come true. Maybe not everything, everything, but for the most part, he has laid out the plan. He's been very transparent with it. And this year, at the very least, everything that a lot of the things, I can't say everything, a lot of the things that he has talked to us about, Chris Flex and Ty France, them being a 500 team, this year being more about development and probably not actually about wildcard contention. It makes me feel pretty good about the direction. The ownership point that Robert brought up, that is the biggest question, and it has rem- it has yet to be answered. Because honestly, we don't even know if Jerry DePoto is going to be the general manager next year, at least yet. But we also don't know that they're going to spend money. We don't. He brought up the idea of, of moving J.P. Crawford to second base to maybe go after one of the many shortstops that's available. Honestly, I feel like you could keep J.P. Crawford at shortstop and maybe move one of those big-name shortstops over to third base. I would say Carlos Correa. I would, I would love to see Carlos Correa here at third base. Absolutely. That would cost a ton of money. And he does get injured a little bit, but I really enjoyed covering him in Houston. Um, I do want them to go big in free agency this offseason. You can't keep kicking the can down the road. Eventually, you're going to have to start spending. It can't be just young players. Because you have a lot of them, but they're not all going to work out. 206-421-3776 is how you call in. You can text in 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. Up next, Dave Wyman is going to join me in the sports pit. We'll talk about that rotation of Seahawks defensive linemen, where Quandre Diggs ranks in the grand scheme of Seahawks defensive players. And maybe we'll get some... Dave Wyman fight stories since we've been talking hockey this week. I'm curious as to how Wyman would do in a brawl with a hockey player. All of that next. It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness... 
You're going to get your, you're going to, you're going to fail. With Paul And joining me in just a moment in the sports pit, it is Dave Wyman. But first, guys, guess what? We're going to send you to the Mariners game on July 2nd, 206-421-3776 or 866-979-3776. In one minute, if you're listening on the radio, in 30 seconds, if you're on the stream, caller number three, you will win two tickets to the Mariners Grand Reopening Night. That's one week away, and we're giving away a pair of tickets for this exciting event each hour today. So stay tuned to 710 ESPN Seattle for your next chance to win. From Wyman and Bob, it is the one and only Dave Wyman joining me on this Friday. Happy Friday, Dave. How you doing? Good, Paul. How you doing, man? I cannot complain. We were playing some audio from Clint Hurt, the Seahawks defensive line coach, and he's really feeling good about the defensive line depth that they have. It's obviously early, and we'll see if Alden Smith actually contributes this season and if Daryl Taylor is as good as he has been hyped up. But how would you compare the depth that the Seahawks defense has right now to the depth that they had on their defensive line during the glory years of the Legion of Boom? Hmm. You know, there's no you know, really established uh, player other than, you know, I guess you could say Puna Ford. Um yeah, it's 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 they got a bunch of guys. That are, it's a lot like cornerback, right? I mean, yeah. you have uh, one guy that you're pretty sure he can play. He played in eight or nine games, DJ Reed, and then you have a bunch of other guys that will compete for it. I mean, Trey Flowers probably the most well known, and then you know maybe Trey Brown is good enough as a rookie. He looks really good. Uh, Keela Witherspoon. It's the sort sort of the same thing. You know, you've got uh, you've got a bunch of guys that can potentially rush the edge. I mean, we know what Benson Mayo, uh, you know, he's never, I don't think he's been a double digit sack guy. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's probably about the same, but you know, it was hard to tell And that Legion of boom defense, what was more impressive, the pass rush or the coverage. And I always thought that the coverage was way more impressive and, you know, that those two things work together and that, you know, those guys were able to get home because of, you know, the pass coverage. But, you know, I, Cliff Abril, uh, Michael Bennett, do they have anybody like that? I'd say probably not, but those guys that are rushing the passer um, didn't, you know, they, they haven't benefited from as good a pass coverage as they had back then. Dave, let's shift then to the guys who are making that coverage happen. Quandre Diggs, he wants a contract extension. If you had to power rank, I guess, Quandre Diggs in terms of importance to the Seahawks defense, Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams in no particular order are probably number one and number two. Where would Quandre Diggs rank? I'd say pretty close. Um, My theory on this has been that the strength of this defense has always been the safeties. And, you know, maybe it's in the back of my mind just because Pete was a safety when he played and he coached safeties. But, you know, when you had Cam and Earl, really, I mean, and then you had one really good corner. And then the other corner was kind of a rotating spot. We're talking about this yesterday, but when you have two really good safeties, I I think in this defense, it makes a huge difference. It's a, it's a much bigger difference than, than say corners. I mean, the situation you're in with your corners, I mean, I, if they were in that situation with their safeties, I think it'd be a struggle. I mean, you saw it with Tedrick Thompson and Lano Hill and all the guys that just didn't work out, you know, Bradley McDougal. So, you know, I, I like Quandre a lot. He doesn't do – I mean, he had five interceptions last year. We talked to him last year, by the way. 
he had he has had a fumble recovery for a touchdown called back and a interception a pick six called back so he's already got two pick sixes he should have three and a fumble recovery for a touchdown um if you want to go back and look at the first game against Atlanta, he makes an open field tackle. And I always say out on the field, it's not the Matrix. <laughs> this was the Matrix. Wow. <laughs> I mean, Quandre Diggs came flying up, and he probably took not a great angle, but Todd, and he was going full speed, and Todd Gurley was going full speed, made a full speed inside cut, and somehow Quandre like, planted his feet and just flung his body sideways and made a tackle. It was probably the best tackle I saw all year. Wow. So, uh, yeah, he has got incredible talent, um, and I think he's really important. But, I mean, you know, he does just doesn't show up that much. I mean, he kind of quietly had five interceptions, but I, I think he really makes that defense work. So he's pretty high up there. You know, I, I think yesterday we were ranking, you know, who are the most important Seahawks and as far as players, it's always, you know, Russ. I think Bobby's really important. Bob picked Chris Carson. I think he's right because there's not much good depth after him. Mm-hmm. But Quandre Diggs would probably be in the top five for me anyway. Wow. All right. Well, hey, look, I've got to go back and watch that tackle against the Falcons. It's the Paul Galat Show, and Dave Wyman's with me in the sports pit. So we're going to have some, uh, at least for uh, y'all up here, some intolerable weather uh, in, the, in the hundos. What's the hottest game that you ever played in, Dave? Yeah, that's easy. Uh, it was Philadelphia, nineteen eighty nine. Wow, I believe it was Philly. Yeah. I would Went never have guessed that. There. Yeah, September fourth, and I remember looking across the the field, and the heat waves were coming up off of the the turf. Oh, and, that's right. It's and the I told turf. The story yesterday, which people are probably tired of hearing about. No, it, I want to hear it again. I remember after that game, I didn't pee until the next Tuesday. So that's <laughs> how hot it was. Very hydrated. Dehydrated. Oh, my so, God. Um, yeah, I wasn't very hydrated during that game. I wasn't, you know, physiologically, we really didn't take care of ourselves back then. Um, the way <laughs> the guys eat and, like, take care of themselves now and with the Gatorade and you can get the IVs and all this stuff, it was just kind of like, eh, you know, I'll be all right. So uh, anyway, yeah, that's that was that was tough, man. I mean, I hated playing in the heat. I'll take cold every single time, and I played wow. the game that was probably like below four degrees with the wind. As some of my <laughs> some of my teammates used to call it, the wind shield factor. Uh, the wind chill factor was like minus four, Ugh. and that was in New England. And you know, and that, that was fine. I mean, because you can always put stuff on and you're. Your pads and it, just the uniform itself keeps you plenty warm. It's it's just that you can't get any cooler if you're somewhere really hot, and that's that's the thing that is is tough. Uh, one last question, Dave. We've been talking a lot of hockey over the last couple of days because the Seattle Kraken have a new coach. I, I I'm curious because I know you are you are not one who's afraid of as the hockey players call it a Donnybrook. Would you be able to take on like a, a hockey enforcer in your heyday? But you would have to be on skates. And you would have to fight the hockey way. <laughs> hey, listen, man. I uh, one time I was buddies with the guy who used to coach the Thunderbirds. Uh, his name is Dean Schnauf, 
and a uh, good guy. And I was, he had me come out somehow. My wife met his wife, whatever, and had me come out to the rink. Well, I had ice skated in like eighth grade. And I thought, yeah, I'll be able to do it probably. And so I was skating out there and I'm standing there talking to him. And I think like the general manager and then another guy. And I was just standing there on the skates talking to him. And all of a sudden I just fell down. <laughs> oh, no. I have no idea what happened. And they're looking at me like, geez, were you an athlete? You know, so, uh, oh, no. yeah, I, the other thing is, uh, I think that the the hockey players are, are maybe the best fighters because usually the guys that are the best fighters don't brag about it. You know, you hear a lot of guys that think that they are, you know, tough guys and everything, and they brag about it. And usually the hockey players, it kind of reminds me of like Slapshot. Remember when the, the yeah. Samson brothers show Great up? Movie. Like, where are you guys from? The Iron League? Ah, oh, many fights there? Nah. <laughs> And then, like, the first, you know, time they get up and warm up, they're out there just pounding people, <laughs> and they don't think it's a big deal. So, yeah, to me, the hockey players, they're always, uh, you know, the, the ones you got to be worried about are the ones that are that are humble and don't think they're tough guys, because those guys are tough guys. And especially, like you said, fighting on skates, I have no idea. I mean, Mara could whoop me. If she could skate better than <laughs> me, she could probably get me off that's my feet. Right, that's right, Dave Wyman. Sure. No offense, Mara. I, I don't mean to use you as a lower standard, but yeah, you could probably. All right, I'm pretty. Me I can't skate. That You'll is see me on the ice. Oh, man, I I want to watch you skate now because I haven't skated in a really long time either. I don't think I would do too well myself. But I I, I we got there's a part of me that wants to see this. It's like go back in time. We get we we teach Dave how to skate and we put him up against the best hockey enforcer of the day, or maybe one of the Hanson brothers. Dave, always a pleasure, man. Looking forward to hearing more from you and Wyman and Bob. Okay, thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Wyman and Bob, everybody, that's coming up this afternoon, 2 o'clock, getting you ready for the Mariners' big game against the Chicago White Sox. And that's the question I have for you. Big series this weekend. The Mariners are going up against some really good pitching. So what's your confidence level, 1 through 10, in the Mariners actually being able to win this series? I will again lay out some of the ways that they can do it because I do think it is possible next right here on the Paul Galan Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle. Big weekend series for the Seattle Mariners against the Chicago White Sox. And last weekend they surprised us. Is it really that crazy for them to potentially do it a second straight weekend? Probably not that likely, but I am optimistic. And again, I'll lay it out. The White Sox are banged up. They've lost five of six. And while they do have very good pitching, those injuries have, I think, put their lineup a lot closer to your level. So the real question is this weekend, okay, this is going to be tough tonight. Radon is maybe the best pitcher in the American League based off of what you have seen thus far. Are you going to be able to, on Saturday and Sunday, win those games? I think that's how you're probably going to have to do it. Runs are going to be few and far between, I would imagine, over the course of this series. And that said, I still think that they've got a chance. I said 6.82 on a 1-10 to 10 scale, but what say you? 7-10, 7-10 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. This is an interesting text. Paul, have you caught your own dinner yet? Welcome to the Northwest, bro. Catch it. Eat it. Nothing better. Fish, scallops, crab. Get after it. This is from Fred. I have not done that yet. I do have my boating permit, but I still actually have to go out and drive the old boat. 
and I'm too scared to go do it without actually having driven the boat before, and I don't want to take boating lessons because they're like $1,000 for like four hours. Sorry. That's, that's, to me, I find that just ridiculous. You know, if it was like something like it was like $400 or $300, yeah, absolutely. But no. 1000 Get out of here. Get out of here with that. All right. Your responses, 1 to 10, confidence level in the Mariners being able to, this weekend, take two or three against the Chicago White Sox. Five, says a texter. Everything this team is doing is just a bonus. I'm waiting for next year to see what they do. Well, five means that you are more confident than you probably would have been a week ago. I do agree, though. Right now, I mean, if they're able to take two or three against the White Sox, it is a bonus. They lose two or three, that's not the end of the world. A sweep would be disappointing. But there are actual expectations, I think, that you are allowed to put on their shoulders this weekend because of what they did last weekend. Text in, bro, forget about the 6.82, bump it up to 6.9. I, I, I could, but it's not quite 6.85. Uh, 6.9, a very nice number, but yeah, not, not, I don't know about that one. Uh, another text... This one's going to take a little bit of time to actually get in. 6.989989899999999999. Just sent that to say to see if you would read the whole thing on the air. I, I read most of it. I got tired of reading all the nines, though, eventually. Here are some other questions. Text in 710710. Why are the M's better against better teams? I would guess that they are being overlooked. I mean, you look at that lineup, you're not really expecting a whole lot out of it, but it's not like they've been winning with their with those bats, you know? It's not like it's not like the pitchers are underestimating that lineup. The lineup's still struggling. I think it's because they have really good starting pitching and really good defense. I think that's the great equalizer. If you don't have a bat that you can look at it and say, yeah, please save me. The Mariners do have one in J.P. Crawford, but if you don't have any after that, then, yeah, it's going to be difficult. I mean, this is this is a league where the teams that score the most, like, say, the Houston Astros, who have won 11 games in a row, and I think over the last five games they've scored 10 runs, 13 runs, 12 runs. Like They're, they're absolutely killing it right now. That's going to win you a lot. But if you have unbelievably sound defense, which the Mariners do have, and, I mean, they're missing Evan White at first base, I don't think they're missing his bat at all. And you have good starting pitching and you have a really good bullpen, then, I mean, you got to feel pretty good about the whole thing. Text in 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Text line, <laughs> careful. They'll start calling you a homer soon because of how optimistic I am. Look, it's a good... Yeah, I don't know if I can go as so far as to say good. They are a scrappy... I would say average baseball team because of how good their pitching is, but that lineup, again, it's, it is definitely lacking at this part in town. A uh, couple of texts, ooh, some suggestions. I appreciate y'all who are uh, giving me some boating suggestions. I like that. Thank you very much. I'm definitely going to reach out to some of you guys afterwards. Uh, text in. The real question, this question doesn't make any sense. Come on, man. 710-710. Do we want them to win the series? Is it better to lose enough? to sell at the deadline, wouldn't that be better long-term? I don't think anything that they do this year is going to make them change into a team that buys at the trade deadline. I, I would, if I were in their shoes, I might talk myself into it. But 
just given everything that you've heard from Jerry Depoto, maybe you are a little skeptical about his patience, given that they brought up Jared Kelnick as quickly as they did. And maybe there was some pressure that was on Jerry, not necessarily from the fan base, as uh, our caller Robert suggested, but maybe it was coming from management where they said, look, he's hitting well. The fans want him. Let's bring him up. They bring him up too early. It doesn't work out so well. But I doubt that they are going to make some sort of aggressive move at the trade deadline that involves adding. In fact, if I were to make a guess as far as what they do, I think it's trading Mitch Hanniger, which I think would be a mistake. The guy's been playing well for you this year. And you don't have a lot of answers in the outfield right now. You might eventually. I mean, Julio Rodriguez is eventually going to be up here. You would assume Jared Kelnick will eventually figure it out. He did hit the two home runs. So that's nice, huh? But I think at this point in time, you are likely to be a seller at the deadline. It does feel sort of like it's kicking the can down the road if you were to trade Mitch Hanniger and, and you're saying, all right, well, we're going to get more prospects that you get to wait on. And if I'm a fan, which I am, I would be very frustrated with that. But that's a month from now anyway. Let's focus on the now and get excited for this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. You can, of course, hear the games here on 710 ESPN Seattle. And make sure you're listening all day because you'll have a chance to win tickets once every single hour to go to the Mariners' grand reopening next Friday. Big thanks to Dave Wyman for stopping by earlier. Big thanks to Maura Dooley, who produces the show every single day, to the texters, the callers, the tweeters. I am merely Paul Gallant. So long, farewell. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll talk to you after a Mariners' series victory over the White Sox on Monday. Let's go.